Hello, everyone. I'm Matthew Friedman, Matt F. The Oracle. Welcome to the Betting Pros Podcast brought to you by BetMGM, where you can get a risk-free bet of up to $1,000 with the promo code BETTINGPROS on first deposit. All right, here with me to talk NFL Week 17 best bets is Cleve T.A., proprietor of ClevAnalytics.com and a contributor to the Hammer Betting Network. Cleve, thanks for joining the show. Hey, man. I appreciate you uh, having me on. Yeah, so Cleve T.A., what does that stand for? <laughs> well, Cleve is, uh, I'm from this, I live in the city of Cleveland, a uh, big, big uh, Cleveland sports fan. And then uh, TA is just, uh, just some initials. So it's funny when Twitter was created, what, how many years ago, uh, 12, 13 years ago, it might've been longer than that, 15 years ago. Yeah. You know, no one knew it would, it would, it would end up like this. So I just needed a quick username and my buddy had uh same thing, had Cleve and then he had his, his real first name. So I just did that with my initials and, and it's been, it's, kind of stuck ever since then and haven't changed it so uh, I was just kind of on a whim and so I've just I've stuck with it yeah so part of me figured it was uh for Cleveland which you know if you go to to Twitter look at uh Cleve's handle you'll see Cleveland Browns I think in the header there so like that seemed rather obvious but part of me was also like thinking okay like if you were to uh say CLV like uh like if you were to pronounce it it might be cleave you know what i mean so like i i go. see the c the l and the v and i always think of oh, that like cleave is like it stands for closing line value uh <laughs> even though like i knew it didn't but just in my brain i've always made that association that's funny i've never even thought about that but that's not it's not a bad thing but a lot of controversy with the clv right so uh, uh but yeah no that's that's funny i've never thought about it but it could be yeah, I mean, of course. So you actually uh, at, at Cleve Analytics, you have a piece, I think, uh, looking at CLV. And, you know, so some people will talk about how CLV doesn't matter. Uh, some people think that obviously like closing line value is the the holy grail. And for, for people who aren't aware of what closing line value is, it's the difference between the line where you bet it and where the closing line is. And so if you bet something at plus three and it moves to plus one then you got two two points of closing line value uh and so that in general would feel like a good thing if you were if you were betting uh of course if the uh if the bet didn't hit then you'd be like closing line value doesn't matter uh where are you on the closing line value spectrum in terms of it mattering it not mattering what do you think yeah, I mean, I think on a kind of uh, one-off basis, it probably isn't a huge deal. I mean, you'd like to get it, but it doesn't really tell you much. But I think in the long run, uh, as you kind of accumulate to CLV, it's a good. I think it's a good um, way to recognize whether you are um, you're you're a sharp better or not. In my opinion, over over the long run, because if you're consistently beating a market that is supposedly efficient or close to efficient then you're doing something right. So I think it's a good sign in that in that regard. So I think in, it, if you look at it from a long stretch, um, you want to get as much CLV as possible. But yeah, from I mean, I think I was on the Broncos minus two and a half last week. I think it closed three, three and a half. <laughs> yeah. that, is that a smart bet? You know what I mean? Like, so it doesn't work out. And I can I can just tell you, I do a better job probably of um, predicting where the line will close more so than whether it'll win or not. And, you know, I don't know, is that uh, at the end of the day, I'm not sure if that's uh, more valuable, but, uh, but yeah, you, you want to be ahead of the market as much as possible. And especially when the sharper betters with the, the influential betters are the ones shaping a lot of these lines, you know, you, that means you're on the same side of them and you have a better line than, than a lot of them. So um, at the end of the day, you, you want that obviously more often than not. 
Yeah, well, I I was right there with you last week on on Denver at uh, <laughs> you know at, at that number, and of course that did not uh, that did not feel good. Um, obviously that went against us, but uh, yeah, I mean closing line value. I think it's as you said. I feel like I'm better at uh, predicting in some instances where the market will go instead of where it should go or you know, where the line should be. Uh, and you know, that, that ultimately does have some value there. Uh, how's the season gone for you? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been okay. Uh, I would say from sides perspective, um, I'm in kind of the lower 50% range, which is fine. I, you know, historically, um, you know, whether it be my personal plays, which are typically kind of mid fifties, um, or, you know, I, I've entered these circa millions contests and the certain uh, Westgate super contests for the last you know decade. And I think I'm hitting, I've hit 60% plus like three of the last four years. So this is, to me, this is a down year, but in general, you know, it's a positive. And then I've, you know, really started to do a lot more with props this year in the regular mm -hmm. season. I typically had, had kind of waited more for the playoffs because, you know, lines are way more efficient and there are a lot less games. But I started to do a lot more from a prop perspective during the season. And I'm, I'm actually hitting 65% in props, which is crazy to me. Um, and it's funny because there's a lot of sharp, I mean, there's sharper money in the market these days. And there are times where like, I'll be on one side and I'll hear, hey, you know, people will message me, hey, do you know so-and-so, you know, real sharp prop better is on the other side. And I'm like, okay. And I win, you know, I win by a mile and it's like, okay, give myself a pat on the back. I don't know. Maybe I'm doing something different. Uh, but I've really, really, um, I think just honed in on a couple of props per, per week um, that really just find, I just find good, the best possible matchup in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I don't think that the opening lines are really that, that sharp. I mean, you know, you, you know, these yeah. sharp uh, yeah. uh, openers are never, never really, I mean, that Taysom Hill number last year was, or last week was 34 and a half against my oh, Browns. Yeah. That was like the dumbest. Oh, yeah. I remember I was messaging someone and said, you know, have you seen a Taysom prop yet? And I said, it's, I go watch, it's going to be in the low thirties. And I can't imagine, you know, anyone not betting it, um, you know, up to at least 40. And so it opened up, I think 34 and a half and bet up to, I think it closed at like 52 or something crazy, right? Like that. Yeah. And that was just the most obvious thing. That's something that, the, you know, the, the, the books are not, not paying attention to one-off Taysom Hill props, right? They're not putting that much effort into it. So, um, you know, you could take advantage of those kind of those mispricings. And so I've been able to do that a lot and really have, uh, have hit hit at a really high rate and, you know, spread it around as many books as I can so I don't get limited. So, so far it's, it's doing okay. Yeah. It's interesting that you, you kind of got into props after getting into sides and totals. The way I got into betting was through fantasy. You know, like I was really into fantasy, had a full-time job in fantasy sports. Um, and then, uh, you know, the company I was working for got more into sports betting. And so I started to get into player props that way. And then from no. there moved into sides and totals. And I feel like I was a little bit too early on the, uh, the, the, the props because the prop market has become much more liquid than it was when I was mm -hmm. really getting into it five years ago. And so I had success, like quote unquote success then, but, uh, you know, like all those accounts, uh, they got limited very quickly. And I think, uh, now accounts aren't quite as quick to get limited in the prop market. Uh, and so it's, it's just interesting the way that, that people get into betting in the, the areas where they gravitate towards. 
Yeah, and I will say, because I've been doing sides for, what, 25 years probably at this point since I was in college, losing a lot of money when I was in my 20s until I figured things out. And I will say, um, under, I think the one area with the prop market that I've, I've understood, not just the kind of pure matchup, but I think you kind of have to marry understanding who, you know, game flow, obviously game script mm-hmm. with actual matchup. And that's really important there. And I think some of the, um, you know, there are some guys that just do props or DFS that, that aren't good at uh, understanding the sides. And so they just say, Oh, a, a team is, you know, seven point favorite. So I'm going to gravitate towards a running back, right. Cause mm-hmm. game script. But yeah. if you are, if you, you know, are successful betting sides, and I think I am um, in general, like if I think an underdog actually is live at a at a seven as a seven point underdog, I, I'm much more likely to to take a look at those running back markets than others would. Uh, so that that's that interesting. Bit, so that creates a little bit of value on my end. So and vice versa. So I think that does help. It gives me a tiny little edge here and there, um, just because a lot of the, the the sharp prop guys don't do sides, so they don't really are able to evaluate it that way. So I can take advantage from from that perspective. So. You know, it, it's a nice little marriage between the two, and it's taken me time. And look, I, I used to do kind of um, prime, just prime time props, and I've gone through stretches. I mean, Twitter probably four or five years ago. I remember I, I went through a stretch. I was just giving out like a one prop per prime time games. I think I won fifteen in a row to the <laughs> point where like I would just put up, oh, like I think it was Sony Michelle was on New England as a rookie, and I put up a prop that was like thirty five at the time, and I think within 20 minutes, my buddy texts me, goes, that thing is like 45 right now. Like, how the hell did you move it to yeah. that degree? Like, I don't know. Like, it, you know, it was so illiquid, like you said, just five years ago. Now it's not to that. I don't think it's to that degree. But, um, you know, so I've had some success in the past, just never really focused on it. Now I'm taking probably a handful per Sunday, whereas maybe I would only do prime time in the past. Yeah. All right. So uh, great conversation there. We are recording this on Thursday. Uh, This morning, I posted my projected spreads for each game. And one line that caught my eye was Cardinals plus three and a half at the Falcons. And uh, I'm looking at the the odds page now at betting pros. Uh, That number is still three and a half. Uh, Of course, that number is three and a half at BetMGM. You can get that risk-free bet of up to $1,000 with the promo code betting pros on first deposit. All right. You know, there are some trends that you can look at for this game. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury on the road has historically been great. Underdog, he's been good as a road dog, 16, 5 and 2 against the spread. And then Arthur Smith, like the Falcons have no home field advantage. He's 4 and 10 against the spread at home, 1 and 4 against the spread as a home favorite. And I'm looking at Desmond Ritter and I think, like, okay, sure, the Falcons should be favored in this matchup, but favored by more than a field goal that just feels like it's too much uh the falcons opened the year six and oh against the spread three and three on the money line uh you know they were an overachieving cover machine to open the year but since then they are two and seven against the spread and on the money line the market has caught up to the falcons and the falcons have regressed as the season has progressed uh especially on offense and especially since switching to desmond ritter uh in weeks one through six they average 24.3 points per game in weeks seven through 16 18.3 points per game and then since they switched to Ritter 13 and a half points per game now it's only two games but the sample has not been good he's had uh the team has had only 4.7 yards per pass attempt with Ritter 
in weeks one through six, they had 6.7 yards per pass attempt. Like they've, they've really regressed, especially since they switched Ritter and the Cardinals, they're a bottom five team, like in anyone's power ratings, but they have a clear edge with Colt McCoy at quarterback. He's cleared the concussion protocol. He's playing this week. If you look at what McCoy has done after the uh, the Browns era. He's had 6.4 adjusted yards per attempt in his two years with the Cardinals. He's had 6.1 adjusted yards per attempt. Like he's a competent veteran backup. He's not great, but he's competent. And that's way more than we can say for Ritter, who's been, I think, a clear downgrade on Marcus Mariota. Uh, again, the Falcons, I think they should be favored, but not by more than a full goal. And they're one and two against the spread as favorites this year. Their one uh, ATS victory as a favorite was against the Bears in week 11 when Justin Fields suffered his shoulder injury. So not exactly uh, the circumstances that you would look for. So, you know, raw, unproven rookie quarterback at home at a home field advantage that doesn't really amount to all that much laying too many points. Uh, I'm just looking at the Cardinals in this spot, even though I think the Cardinals are really bad as a football team, but I have this projected at 2.25. Cleve, I think you're on this side with me. Cardinals plus three and a half. What do you think? Yeah, I am. I I actually took it yesterday at three and a half and I totally agree. I think this line should be at three. I think it'll close at three. We'll see what happens, but um, totally agree. I mean, the Colt McCoy from Trace McSorley, Colt McCoy, I mean, the market, unless the market had a really strong feeling that Colt McCoy is going to play, and maybe they did to go from, it was only four to three and a half to me is just, uh, that's way too, that's not enough. I mean, to me, I mean, McSorley's 50th out of 52 quarterbacks in EPA per play. He's dead last in success rate. He's not an NFL quarterback. Colt McCoy, like you said, is competent. Now, if you look at his numbers this year, not as good from an EPA perspective, but you have to consider two of his starts were against San Francisco and New England. And New England, well, New yeah. England wasn't a start, but it was, what, one or two plays in from Kyler. That's a top two defenses in the NFL from an EPA perspective. So it's not really fair to judge him on that. If you're going up against an Atlanta defense that's last in success rate, they are last in pressure rate. So a bad offensive line doesn't really need to worry about, um, you know, a, a defense in Atlanta there. Yeah, and the only area that I would have been worried about was potentially motivation for a team like Arizona. But you know, the fact that JJ Watt is announcing his retirement, I think, helps here because you got you got a defense that really looks up to the guy. They're going to play hard for him. I don't think they're just going to totally quit in his final two games of his career. I find that hard to believe. Still got weapons on offense with DeAndre Hopkins and James Conner and you know Hollywood Brown. So it's just yeah, it's hard for me to 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 see a team, a bad team like Atlanta with a rookie quarterback who's done nothing. Uh, laying over a field goal. I think this definitely closes at three, so I'm with you here. All right, one game you were looking at, uh, Texans minus four on the road in Jacksonville. And, I mean, the Texans, I mean, I had them as the worst team in the league uh, a few weeks ago, and then they did well against the Cowboys, almost beat the Cowboys. They played well uh, against the Chiefs and then outright beat the Titans, and then now here they are. Uh, actually, no, sorry, not on the road. Uh, the Texans right are at home hosting the Jags. Uh, ah, man, what, what do you what do you see here in this game? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this and this has doesn't really have anything to do with the recent performance from the Texans. You know, if you look at just pure power ratings, you would not get to this number. And I, I, you know, I took four and a half yesterday. It's four right now. You would never get to this number. This is more like any legitimate – Power rating and get you to six, maybe six and a half. You might get to seven, but but there's there's a couple things at play here that 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 that's why I don't use pure power ratings because for one motivation, and I know Doug Peterson yesterday said that you know they're going to play all their starters, but 
doesn't mean that they're not going to sit guys who maybe tweak something in the first half or, um, you know, Trayvon Walker is questionable, didn't play last week. Like uh, maybe they hold them out. Uh, maybe they rotate guys in and out. Like there's just a lot of different variations of, you know, not necessarily going, uh, pushing full force. They have less than a 10% chance of making the wild card anyway, even if they win this game and then lose next week. So, and I'm sure they are game planning for Tennessee. They're, they're, you know, maybe they're doing a little bit on Houston, but they're going to put a lot of energy um, in the look ahead here because it means so much. So to me that, that, right there just knocks down some of the uh you know the the gap in in the power ratings and then from a matchup perspective trevor lawrence has been playing obviously has been playing out of his mind lately he historically has really struggled against his texans uh lovey smith defense this cover two defense uh there's a reason why they're zero and three straight up and against the spread against the texans in his career against cover two he's 40th out of 44 quarterbacks in completion percentage he has one td six interceptions um, since the beginning of last season. And that includes, you know, some games I know recently uh, where, you know, maybe he's, he's improved and you, know, you can, you can make the claim that he's gotten better. He, he has not solved this defense. So clearly there's something from that schematic pers- uh, perspective that, you know, uh, he has problems with now, maybe, you know, maybe he solves some of that, who knows, but I'm willing to, to be okay. You know, backing the Texans, you know, Fourth, fourth time uh, uh, facing Lawrence and potentially having his number. And then you see, you know, his left tackle, Cam Robinson, is out. Walker Little, who's 98th out of 110 tackles in PFF pass block grade, uh, is going to start. It's a huge downgrade. I mentioned Trayvon Walker may not play. They also lost. It was an underrated season-ending injury to um, uh, edge rusher Dwayne Smoot, second on the team in pressure rate. He's one of the top 30 pass rushers, according to PFF. That's a big loss there. So you're, you're potentially missing your – two of your three best um, uh, defensive linemen. And this is not a good Jags defense in, in general. I mean, this is a bottom five defense by most metrics, especially through the year. So I just think that, you know, um, from that perspective, you look and you see Lawrence and the Jags are 0-4 against the spread in his career uh, when he's a favorite of three or more points. Like, And they've lost all four straight up, by the way. Like, I, I just, it's hard for me to, to, to back a young team like the Jags that might be looking ahead, that might be sitting, you know, rotating some guys um, with, you know, Trevor Lawrence who struggles against this type of defense. He, he always has. Uh, and, you know, again, the Texans are feisty. They haven't quit. So I'm, I'm okay taking anything over a field goal here. Really interesting. I, you know, I have this projected at four, um, but I am very open to the idea that I am not discounting the Jags enough because of two things you mentioned. One, Jacksonville looking ahead um, and preparing for that matchup with the Titans in week 18 and then the injuries, you know, Kim Robinson, uh, a not insignificant injury there that they're dealing with uh, Trevon Walker potentially not playing and then uh, Smoot, as you mentioned, uh, who's out. So, uh, yeah, I can I can see it if. I'm, I'm not betting it. If I were to bet it, I would be on the Texans. Um, yeah, and I will say, yeah. you know, some people say this maybe is too much of a overreaction to what the Texans have done lately, but I don't think it is. I mean, if you look earlier in the, se- the season, uh, these two teams played in Jacksonville, the line closed only seven. And I wouldn't say, I mean, Texans were by far dead last in everyone's power rating back then. Yeah, The Jags were, were you know, started off the season. If you remember, they started off the season with you know, some, some impressive wins. They lost close to, to the Eagles. So, you know, they were highly rated early on. It was that middle season dip where they, they started to, to get a little bit of a setback. So if you look at, if you're minus seven at home and you do kind of the home in a way, you know, flip it, 
being minus four, four and a half in Jacksonville is, is actually kind of cheap. So, um, you know, like, I don't think that there's any sort of pure line value here that you were taking advantage of um, from a Jacksonville perspective. I think that the line, you know, just from a pure power rating perspective, in, you know, isn't that far off of where it should be. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I'm okay here. I, I just think, you know, I just think that uh, that maybe that maybe Trevor Lawrence solves the cover two and I look like an idiot and the Texans get blown out, but uh, I'm okay uh, taking a shot here on them. Yeah, and one more item here. Jags uh, playing their fourth game uh, out of five on the road. So, uh, you know, not, uh, you would think, an overwhelming matchup, but the, you know, the road, uh, that, that tends to wear after that many games uh, away from home here. All right, one, one game I'm looking at here. Browns plus two at commanders and let me make sure that's the uh the current line here uh yeah yeah uh it's it's disgusting uh it is two and a half at points bet for people who are out there getting the best of the number but uh plus two browns at the commanders uh you know carson wentz is uh you know since the 2017 knee injury which uh i think really altered his career uh 26 and 36 against the spread 14 and 21 against the spread as a favorite since then and uh this game to me really comes down to the browns pass defense against carson wentz uh and we swan through 11th the browns defense was absolutely terrible Key players were in and out of the starting lineup based on injuries, and you know they allowed teams to score pretty much at will. But since week twelve, they've been pretty they've been pretty stout. Uh, in weeks one through 11, 26.9 points allowed per game. Since week 12, 14.8 points per game. Uh, in the first part of the season, they were number thirty one in defensive EPA since week 12, number three in defensive EPA and especially strong against the pass number one in defensive dropback EPA. Now to contextualize this, those five recent games have come against Tom Brady, who is, you know, not the Brady of previous seasons, Kyle Allen, who is barely an NFL quarterback, Joe Burrow, who obviously is fantastic, uh, but Tyler Huntley after him, and then Andy Dalton, who is, you know, on that borderline between starter and backup. Uh, that's not a great cohort. So the uh, the statistics there for the, the Browns, probably a little skewed, but it's not as if Carson Wentz is any better uh, than those, those guys, like than that collective cohort of passers. He's been mediocre this year, 6.3 adjusted yards per attempt. And that's the same mark that he's had since 2020, 6.3 adjusted yards per attempt. Like that's who he is at this point in his career. Uh, he's a, a mediocre passer going against a pretty good pass defense. And Deshaun Watson uh, for the Browns, he has not been good right since he returned. And that's even if you exclude last week's weather impacted game, he still has just 6.2 adjusted yards per attempt uh, since returning to action in week 13. But like we know who he is. Like he is better than Carson Wentz. And his four years with the Texans, he had 8.6 adjusted yards per attempt. He's the better quarterback. Uh, and I am still expecting Wentz to struggle against a rejuvenated pass defense. So if I can have the better quarterback, uh, probably the better head coach, and I can get that at less than a field goal, I'm probably going to do it. So Browns plus two, that's where I'm looking. Cleve, I think you're also on this side of the game. Yeah. And just to be, you know, uh, just to be, you know, straightforward, like I'm not just because I'm a Browns fan. I will, I will bet or I will stay away from yeah. games I don't like. So um, this is not a, a biased play, but yeah, I'm on the Browns as well. So the only question is motivation, but there's no, first of all, there's no tanking going on because they don't have a first round pick. And I think they want to play for, um, 
you know, play for uh, Deshaun Watson. They really, they really want to see what they've got there. So I don't think that they're going to, A, they're not sitting guys and B, I think the team is actually going to play. Um, and that's hard to, that's hard to judge anyway. Like it, you really can't make these, I mean, you're just, you're just guessing if you're making decision on motivation, um, you know, when, when a team is kind of out of it, but I, I agree with everything you said. I mean, once people forget how bad he was to start the year, he was 29th out of 33 quarterbacks in both EPA and success rate before he got hurt. And that includes, if you look at the, the past defenses, he played the bears, the lions, the Jags and the Titans, that's three of the bottom <laughs> seven in yeah. EPA from a past perspective, the Titans are 21st. Um, so it's not like he was struggling against a bad competition. So, I mean, the Browns are better than I think all of those defenses, uh, anyway. And then when you exclude garbage time, I mean, the commanders as a whole, their offense was 31st in the NFL in those six games. I mean, they, they were going to bench Wentz anyway. So, so him being hurt was just kind of a convenient thing. So they're pretty desperate here. And it's hard for me to imagine a team that really doesn't believe in any of their quarterbacks to just all of a sudden be laying close to a field goal against a competent team. And the Browns were, if you look at all the advanced metrics, I mean, they are a top 12 to 15 team by most every you know advanced um, database out there. I think that some of what happened the last week is really skewing this. Um, you know, it's funny. You see all the the discussion on, on Twitter again, absent all the not, you know, off the field stuff. We're not going to discuss that with Deshaun Watson, just purely his play. I mean, the people are using pure data and numbers from last week and the prior week in snow against a top five defense in the Ravens to somehow discredit the trade and, and talk about it being a bust like Russell Wilson. I mean, you're talking about th those are the worst weather conditions the NFL has maybe ever seen. It's a wind chill. I mean, we're talking about minus one degree or, or worse, 50 mile an hour winds. The, the, the grass was impossible to even run on i mean amari cooper uh, dropped a touchdown there's three drop touchdowns in that game um yeah. for the season deshaun watson's had the, the highest drop rate of of any quarterback in the nfl he's, he's he really stunk against houston that was one of the worst performances you'll see he was a lot better against cincinnati and then he beat the ravens uh, again a top five defense he did you know kind of made the plays he had to he played pretty well there um, and then last week, like just impossible to, to, um, compete in those conditions. I mean, just to put that in perspective, Josh Allen in that hurricane weather game last year on that Monday night against new England, that was probably the closest comparison from a win perspective. He was 15 of 30 for 145 yards in that game, but no one says a word about that, right? Like that. And that's a guy with a cannon for an arm. Like that's just impossible to throw in. So I, I would just, I think people are just making way too much of that. Personally, when I watch the games, he's gotten a lot better. He's a lot more comfortable than he was in that first start. So, um, you know, the, the only issue here is you're going to have to uh, you're going to have to run the ball against a really good Washington run defense. And that's obviously not a good matchup for the Browns. So it's going to have to be uh, Deshaun Watson who who wins this game. But I, I have faith that Carson Wentz is just not the guy to consistently um, sustain drives. And I think if you're getting points here, you got you got to take it with the Browns. All right, one game that you were looking at, Colts at the Giants. Uh, this <laughs> was six, uh, moved to five and a half at most places, still six at Bet MGM. Uh, and I got to say, I have value on the Colts as well. I have this projected at four and a half. Um, I did bet the Giants uh, too soon. I bet them on Monday before the Colts played on Monday Night Football. You know, in retrospect, I think I reached on that bet. Uh, but, you know, after adjusting power ratings, everything, uh, once uh, once the week was over, I'm now on Colts uh, at plus four and a half. Uh, 
I still don't know if I would actually want to bet them though. There's just something about this team that uh, just makes me, you know, I, I feel weak. Like, you know, I don't have the will to bet when I, I have a number that's on this team, but what, what are you seeing that gives you confidence in the Colts? Yeah. So this is the thing about the NFL that I tell people all the time, like the, the bets that make you queasy, like you just mentioned, uncomfortable, those usually mean that you're on the right side, because if it was that easy, then everybody would win. Right. Nobody wants to bet the Colts. Uh, this look ahead was three, by the way, before that Monday night debacle. So you're talking about a full three point um, change in spread with no injuries to to the Colts um, off of one game like that. That's pretty egregious. And anyone who who does this, you know, I've been doing it for 20 plus years. Like that is, that's an overreaction. It just clearly is. And it now doesn't mean it's going to win, um, but you're, you're getting the best number. You are taking advantage of a, of a biased market, a near term bias market that is just scared to death to, to back the Colts. And that's, you've got to take those I mean, to, for me, I got to take that uh, 10 out of 10 times. And if it, like I said, uh, hopefully it hits at a, at a higher rate than, you know, 55, 60%, but you know, I, I just have to do it. And really, uh, so a couple of things with that. So first of all, the defense is still playing hard. I mean, they held a good chargers offense at 20 points. Um, it wasn't as if they got blown out of the water by, by that offense. So, you know, they're, they're keeping, keeping them in games or a top 10 defense, you know, they um, I think it was uh, the Chargers had eight possessions that started in their own territory. They only scored uh, on three of those drives. So it's not as if they just let the Chargers march up and down the field. So I feel good against, a, you know, let's call the Giants what they are. They're a bad offense. They have no receivings, receiving core. Um, it's pretty much Saquon Barkley and, and Daniel Jones on the read option. And so it's going to be a lower scoring game. You're getting six points in a, in a total. That's what 37 and a half, 38. Um, so from that perspective alone, you're getting value. And then look, Nick Foles was awful last week. There's no doubt about it, but you know, one thing that, you know, I think that kind of was, went a little bit unnoticed that people didn't take into account. Cause I know some sharp money was on the Colts. I think it closed three. Uh, if you look at, what some of the quotes that Nick Foles had midweek, he never even took first team reps until I think Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. And when they made that announcement, he was running scout team. So he had zero chemistry with any of those receivers. And you, if you watch that game, there are a couple of plays where like Alec Pierce was running, uh, uh, was running like a slant and he threw the other way. He thought he was running an out. Like it was, it happened multiple times. So Clearly, he was rusty. He didn't have any chemistry. Now you get another full week of practice. He's going to look better. He just is. Um, that's as bad as, as it can look. They're going to be able – I mean, they can do some things. They can run the ball on this Giants defense as one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. I mean, this is one of the bo bottom five EPA defenses in the NFL, and you're laying six. They were laying four and a half to a bad Houston team uh, at home uh, about a month ago. So you're telling me that Houston back in, in mid-November – is a point and a half better than, than this Colts team right now. I just, I just can't buy that. Not with this defense. And you still got weapons. You still got Michael Pittman. You still got Pierce. You got tight ends that, that can play. You know, I, I just think that it's just, it's just an overreaction. It's a veteran team. They should be able to, you know, they're not going to quit. Um, now he's going to have to contend with Wink Martindale blitz packages, which is going <laughs> to be tough. But, you know, one thing I did look at, this year, I have, a, I have a game log of all the EPA performances by every team, uh, and I went and looked at the the ten worst EPA performances this season because last week's <clears throat> Monday night game against the Chargers was one of the worst uh, uh, we've seen this year. If all you did was blindly back those teams the next week, you'd go seven and three against the spread because 
what what happens is again it's that overreaction to one horrible week uh, we saw it actually earlier in this year the worst offensive performance all season was this colts team uh, with sam ellinger against the patriots when they lost 26-3 they hired Jeff Saturday. Nobody wants to back them. Yeah. Um, the line was six in, in Las Vegas and they won outright. Like it's not saying this is the exact same situation, but it's not that much different. And it's a much, you know, a, Vegas is much better than the Giants um, at, at this point. So, yeah, uh, like all that being said, I just think that's it's an overreaction. If this line was three and a half. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to take the Colts, but at six and a half or six or five and a half, I'm, I'm fine um, having them, you know, with their defense, keep it close here. Yeah, you mentioned the Raiders there. Uh, that is one team I am willing to bet against at this point. Uh, and 49ers minus 10 on the road uh, in Las Vegas. That feels like, I mean, that's a big number. Uh, I logged this on Monday at minus five. Uh, I put it in the Betting Pros app. By the way, you can sync up with sports books in the Betting Pros app. You can get free betting advice and picks. You can track different experts in your own bets. And you can set alerts. So we monitor all the major sports books. When one of them has a line move that hits a threshold you've set, you get an alert that tells you where you can make the bet. You can download the app today in the Apple or Google Play Store. 49ers minus 10. It's a big number, um, but I have this projected at 11.25 right now. And Kyle Shanahan on the road, uh, including the postseason, has been pretty strong for his career, 30 and 20 against the spread. Brock Purdy, I mean, I'm not going to overweight the sample, but he's looked good. Uh, in his, you know, three and a half, four games uh, as the primary quarterback for the 49ers, three, and zero against the spread to open his career. And uh, man, you know, with the benching of Derek Carr, the Raiders are starting backup quarterback, Jared Siddham. Uh, on the plus side, Siddham, four-year veteran, he spent his entire career under head coach Josh McDaniels, you know, first with the Patriots and then with the Raiders this year. So he knows the system. He should know the system very well. Um, that said, there are a lot of negatives. He's a forgotten former fourth rounder with little NFL experience, no NFL starts. He has just 61 pass attempts in his career, and he has looked awful in those 61 pass attempts. He's converted that into just 342 yards, two touchdowns, four interceptions. I believe 3.3 adjusted yards per attempt is the mark that he has for his career, which is like sub backup level type of mark. Like that's what you would expect out of a rookie quarterback who's a third stringer who's just thrown in on uh, short preparation. He also has a 9.0% uh, sack rate. He offers nothing as a runner. And then he's going against, if not the best defense in the league, top three defense uh, in the 49ers, number one in EPA per play, number two in dropback EPA. Uh, just a, a terrible matchup. And regardless of whatever you think about Carr, I think Stidham is an unquestioned downgrade, a significant downgrade from Carr. So given the matchup, I just, I think he's drawing dead. And if this number is at 10, uh, I'm going to bet it because I, I think it should be higher. Uh, again, I think 11 is where this number should be. Uh, Cleve, I'm going to sense that because you are sharp and you don't mind taking uh, bets that you know make you feel a little bit queasy, You, if you were to be betting this, you might be on the Raiders here. Uh, but any thoughts on this game here? <laughs> no, no, actually, you know, um, I did get a, a tip off. I was driving home yesterday from the office uh, uh, around lunchtime. I got a tip off that car was not going to play and maybe some others. And this, the line was still at five and a half. The total was like 44 and a half. So I immediately grabbed both uh, the under and, and the Niners. Um, 
but yeah, so I got lucky there, I guess. But at this point, I, I, I just laying double digits on the road, no matter how good the team is, is always a dicey proposition. Um, I mean, it looks so good on paper, but it's it's just hard, especially lately this year. I think, I mean, I'm not even sure if any double digit favorites have covered on the road. I have to think about it. I know that the the Eagles could not against the Texans. Um, there's a couple other um, ones that that stand out. It doesn't it, happen. It often. hasn't happened. It hasn't happened that often. Yeah. So and the other. So if the if the Niners were this was midseason, the Niners were 100 percent motivated. I, I, I can understand it more uh, at you know 11 or whatever, but. They don't, I mean, they're not, they're trying, but they're not like going full force. That's the only question is, you know, how motivated are you to really just, you know, push the the pedal to the metal? Well, I think what you need, you're going to need, um, if you lay double digits is uh, some defensive turnovers, which is obviously with this defense, very possible. Um, but uh, I, I don't know, it's just hard. That Stidham isn't very good, but, you know, uh, we see it all the time. This game could be 27, 10, uh, late and all the backups are in and Sidham just, you know, walks up and down the field to get this to 27, 17, and then they cover. Right. So I, I personally would stay away. I, I wouldn't touch either side at this point, but um, if you got in early, like you did, then you're, you're sitting really pretty. Um, so it's a, it's a nice uh, early wager. That's, that's real CLV, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so one, one game you are touching, uh, the jets on the road at the Seahawks minus one and a half is the number here with the, the jets favored. And, uh, you know, this, I believe did this flip, um, when the news, uh, was released that Mike white was going to play. I don't remember where this opened. Yeah, it opened. Um, uh, I think Seattle was minus one. It was around minus one. Yeah, to pick them. it was right around there. Yeah, so it it's flipped uh, flipped through zero towards the Jets, but still in that yeah that pick them territory. Uh, my projections lean slightly towards Seattle, but I haven't bet it. I have no desire to bet them because I just I know that there's a chance I haven't downgraded them enough based on what we've seen recently out of Geno Smith. Uh, and the return of Mike White, I think, gives uh, gives the Jets uh, an edge here. What do you see uh, in this matchup? Yeah, so I'm on the Jets. Um, I'm okay laying anything under three, to be honest. And once you get to kind of pick them to two and a half, it's kind of all the same. It's never it hasn't really mattered if you look back the last two years. Um, you know, you just just lay it. Doesn't really it doesn't really make a difference. Um, it, you know, the team that wins usually covers here, so. I'm not worried about, you know, if it flip-flopping between one and two or whatever. So it, I don't think the market has fully grasped the the difference between Mike White and Zach Wilson. I think people were projecting a couple of weeks ago that maybe it's a you know point, point and a half, uh, you know, upgrade to Mike White. But once we saw White play and then we went back to Wilson and saw how much worse he was, I think he really this really is a three-point upgrade to me um, between White and Wilson. And so I don't think that's being fully – uh, documented here. I mean, you look at since the beginning of last season, White's 24th out of 58 quarterbacks in EPA. Uh, Wilson's 52nd out of 58 quarterbacks. Now, again, the sample size is smaller, but Mike White had to play in some tough conditions. I mean, he played Buffalo twice, including once in snow. He played in a in a driving rainstorm. Yeah, it was against a bad Bears defense, but in his first start in a driving rainstorm, it's not easy to do. Um, he had to play in Minnesota. Yeah, their defense isn't great, but that's a loud stadium. That's a playoff team. Like that's not again not an easy environment. So he's been battle tested from that perspective. Now he has to face uh, Seattle defense, which is one of the worst in the NFL, and they've gotten worse and worse as the years year has gone on. 
Um, I mean, last week was the first time in, in the last six weeks that their defense has held an opposing offense below their season EPA average. So, and in that game, Casey was kind of bar- barely even showing anything and they, they typically play down to competition. So, and that game still ended in double digits, right? So, you know, this is not the, the Seattle defense is just, it, they're not playing well. And so I have faith that Mike White's going to be able to, to, you know, put some points on the board. Um, he's got all his weapons. Corey Davis is playing this week. This, you know, the Seattle defense is kind of dead. Um, and, uh, and and we look at defensively, and I think that the team just plays better with Mike White, to be honest. I, I just, you could yeah. see it last week. They were deflated when, whenever Zach Wilson would just, you know, go three and out. And it's just, it this, they you could tell they were not up for it. I think they'll play better with Mike White. Defensively, by far, the Jets are the, the best um, unit on the field. And if Tyler Lockett doesn't play again, and I don't know if what you've seen, but I can't imagine he plays. And if he does, he's going to be, he's got like, Maybe he has a cast on his hand. I'm not really sure. It doesn't seem like it's a good idea for a receiver. Um, they've got no options outside of DK Metcalf. I mean, Marquise Goodwin was supposed to step up. I know some guys are touting him as a DFS, you know, cheapy last week, and he got shut out and he got hurt. He hurt his wrist during yeah. the game. Um, and so you've got two great corners. You got two top ten corners in the NFL in Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. So even if you wanted to, you know, move DK Metcalf all over the field, like you've got really good cornerback on each side. And then who does? Who does Gino go to? He just doesn't have that option. Their right tackle, uh, Abraham Lucas, who's a, who's a good rookie, he, he's questionable. He may not play. And I just think that this defense is really going to um, impact uh, Gino, who's, who's come back to earth lately. So, you know, we've seen Seattle face three other top five elite level defenses, the Niners twice and Denver in the opener. They scored 17-0 and 13 points in those games. Like when they've had to step up in competition, uh, they haven't been able to do anything. They only scored what ten points against uh, Kansas City last week. Like they're just not producing at a, at a level that was even close to the earlier in the year. So I think a lot of maybe your numbers or a lot of people's numbers are are, are maybe if you're equally weighting all the games, uh, you're probably going to get to that you know pick them or maybe Seattle's minus one. But if you weight the the more recent performance a little bit more, and then you you take into account that um, Tyler Lockett may not play or probably won't play. I think that, uh, you know, that gets you to, to maybe the Jets uh, as a slight favorite. So that's where I'm at. I just think it's, it's a much better team. And I think that uh, Mike White will uh, will play well here. So um, I, I do like the Jets here. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very open to the possibility that I haven't downgraded the Seahawks fast enough to account for what we've seen. And as you mentioned, yeah, Tyler Lockett looks like he's going to be out. Marquise Goodwin dealing with the wrist injury and uh, Will Disley, I believe, is also out. Not as if he's a major contributor uh, in terms of like the overall production, but I mean, he he plays a not insignificant number of snaps each game. So just an, another player there that they uh, they kind of depend on who. Uh, doesn't seem like he's going to be there so and Kenneth Walker didn't practice yesterday by the way right yeah yeah so I mean who knows what's going on with his ankle and he, he had a decent game last week but he hasn't done anything in the last month either um so it's just this is a completely if you flip-flopped you know if the, if the last six weeks was the first six weeks of the season I mean I mean the Jets would probably be laying three and a half I think some of the early season numbers are, are getting baked in here for Seattle and they're playing more like the kind of the the, the priors um coming into this year than then they, you know, then they kind of overperformed early in the year. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll take the Jets on the road and, and swallow it. Yeah, and and for my fantasy article, Mike White is one of the guys who uh, is my favorites uh, this week. He's you know great matchup as you mentioned there. Uh, 
Okay, one one more game I, I want to quickly get your thoughts on. Uh, not in the outline, but I mean Monday Night Football. This it, it it might not be the game of the year, Bills at Bengals, but I mean this is it. It looks like it's going to be a great game, and uh, you know Bengals uh, one. Let me see here. Uh, one one and a half point underdogs. Uh, I believe this number was two and a half in the look ahead market, which. Uh, Shout out me. That's uh, that's where I bet it. Uh, and by the way, I, I should say the the Bills. Um, you know, uh, a lot of wide receivers there. One of them is Isaiah McKenzie. We're giving away a free signed Isaiah McKenzie Buffalo Bills mini helmet from Pristine Auction. If you want a chance to win it, subscribe to the Betting Pros YouTube channel right now. Comment below on the video. We will announce a winner in a future episode. Do you have any thoughts on this game? Bills favored by one on the road. I don't I mean I think it's be a great game. I, I think it'd be a great um you could literally tease either side if I mean whoever <laughs> whoever is uh, uh hits one and a half just tease that side and, and call it a day. Yeah. Um so at this point looking like the Bengals, if you can get the that's that's my piece of advice, you know, maybe pair them up um, you know, with a team like either the Steelers or um, you know, maybe I'm trying to think there was another team. The Browns uh, is another good teaser leg. You know, yeah. If you go Browns and then, you know, wait for that one and a half to pop eventually, hopefully with, with the, 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 the Bengals and you can do that. Uh, but yeah, straight ahead. I mean, if I, like, if I'm in a pick pool, I'll take the bills just cause I think they're the better team and I just trust, um, trust their defense a little bit more, but you know, um, it's hard. I mean, this, this Bengals team, I will say, you know, two weeks ago, I was actually on the bucks in Cincinnati, uh, versus Cincinnati, they were blowing them out and just crazy flurry of, I was actually at dinner. I was on vacation with my family and I was like feeling good about my pick at halftime. And then I look at my phone and every two minutes it's Bengals have the ball inside the bank, the Bucks territory. I couldn't believe what was going on. I mean, that was a flurry of random occurrences. I mean, nine times out of 10, the Bucks probably win that game if they don't go crazy with that. And then, you know, last week, you know, Ramondre Stevenson is potentially going in for a game-winning touchdown. You know, the perception here is probably a little bit different. You might get Buffalo at two and a half to three. So, you know, um, I think all, all things being equal, I, I would probably lean Buffalo straight up. But, you know, I think a Bengals teaser is probably your best bet. Yeah, and Josh Allen on the road for his career historically has been good against the spread. All right, Cleve, uh, thanks for joining us. Awesome stuff. Let the people know where to find you on social and where to follow your work. Yeah, I mean, my Twitter handle is CleveTA, um, and then you can see my uh, my website on there, uh, cleveanalytics.com. Um, just kind of a, I've got some free stuff up there, but then also got a paywall for subscribers. Just kind of, um, you know, I'll have a, a playoff package up there where just I write up every single game of the playoffs, you know, side in total that I'm on, a bunch of props, do DFS analysis, kind of a one-stop shop, if you will. Uh, for anyone who's looking for some uh, for some content. So, um, you know, that's up there on the website. So uh, I appreciate you having me on. This is a, this is a good discussion. All right. He's Cleve TA. I am Matthew Friedman at Matt F. The Oracle. Check out Benny Pros and Fantasy Pros for all of my work. Best bets, player props, fantasy favorites, player projections and rankings and more. If you like the show, please rate and review on your favorite podcast app. That is going to do it for this week 17 best bets edition of the Betting Pros podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Good luck and see you next episode.